Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that has been clawing its way out of the dark for a good long time now, but is almost there. I'm Alex. When you're in the dark, you can see nothing, but you can hear. Oh, you can hear. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we have a special episode for you today. We have two special guests, not one, but two. They are the music producers for Riverdale, Leonard J. Jackson and Ryan Peterson. Leonard and Ryan, welcome to the show. So excited to have you guys on. This is very exciting because I think something that people don't know who don't watch Riverdale you know, they know Wait, the crazy what? plot lines. Who they, doesn't watch Riverdale? Well, yeah. the entire population <laughs> of the world watches Riverdale. We know that. Okay. But okay, imagining these imaginary people who don't watch Riverdale, I think people don't know how much musical stuff goes on on a weekly basis. It's not necessarily glee level where you're getting all songs all the time, but there's usually at least one song every episode, and you're the guys handling it. So... When did you start on the show? When did you, how did you end up joining Riverdale and becoming the go-to music guys for it? You know, we actually started from the pilot. Like many jobs in television and film, we were, you know, brought in on this from work we had done previously. Uh, In this case, the music supervisor, Alex Petsavis, I'd known her. She had placed my band in one of the Twilight movies and had me do some covers for Grey's Anatomy. Oh, wow. Uh, And then um, one of our producers on the show, Amy Myrold, Ryan and I had worked on with a a show called About a Boy, where we were the TV version of that one, where I'd written songs and we produced those. And then another one called Telenovela, where we did a glorious song. (laughs) Ah, cool. (laughs) uh, You know, we we got the pilot episode. And I think a lot of people say this when they first saw the script. I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I, I don't know how this would work. Uh, <laughs> it's archy and it's, but it's kind of serious and there's a murder. Yeah. And I, I've never been so grateful to be so wrong, being able to see how well they were pull, able to pull it off tonally. But yeah, we, we started um, from the very first episode doing, I think the songs were like Fear Nothing with the Josie and the Pussycats and, oh, yeah. and an original Archie song, which was something that we started with that kind of 
went away. Oh, that's right. Back when Archie was like singing and playing the guitar and stuff. So yeah, we were from the beginning and then um, just kind of snowballed from there. We had no idea how much music was going to be episode to episode. We're lucky after that first season to sort of, we didn't do a musical episode that one to ramp into that, to that one. And we, we sort of had our feet under us at that point. So how does it work? Do you like when the script comes in, are they like, Oh, Hey, we need a song and here's how crazy it has to be. Or, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it kind of depends. It normally what happens is we don't see the script until they've actually pitched a song to us. And then the song has to go through this approval process to get used, you know, from the original songwriters and the artists, mm-hmm. whoever's involved with the, if it's a cover specifically, if they want us to write something for the show, then that's a whole other conversation. But it starts with getting the song approved. And then once it gets approved, and sometimes it doesn't always, you know, the artist either says no or the budget doesn't line up or the timing of it doesn't work out, which then generally there is a second choice, but very limited window to do it. And that's when Leonard and I get squeezed the most when it's like, you know, that's where it starts. It gets approved. And once it gets approved, then we talk about kind of direction for the song, who's singing it, what's the scene and where to go from there. And sometimes it is like the inspiration was the original song. So keep it pretty close to that, how it feels. And other songs like Anything Goes, you know, which is a Cole Porter song and kind of. in Roberto, um, thankfully has a really strong vision on everything he does. We'll, usually we'll have a phone call with him and it'll be like, hey, we want to, you know, this a certain moment I'm referencing in film that uses this song that we're going to kind of echo back towards. Or he can say like, well, what do you guys think we should do? At that point, we can get creative, which is always really fun to take a song that exists in one medium and, and try to throw it into a different genre to, to fit our show. Can I ask, what is scarier, having to like try to take something we all know and love and give a fresh take or be like, hey, what do you guys think? Like, is it like more of a heart attack one way or the other? It's all terrifying, you know? (laughs) (laughs) When the puts you on the spot on a conference call, you're like, uh, what do you think? (laughs) The thing about television speed that's different than anything else, so much different than Broadway, so much different than even film, is a lot of times when we'll have a song cleared, we'll need to get demo done in 24 hours. Wow. So that, that process, it, you know, it just becomes all hands on deck trying to figure out what to do. You know, like on Anything Goes, the song Ryan had mentioned, it was, it was interesting because, you know, it started off like Roberto said, well, I think we have this scene where there's going to be a bare knuckle boxing fight and we're going to intercut, you know, the song. And we want to do anything goes. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're, you know, the, and the original is like, all, you know, it's, it's that kind of da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So we did that and failed miserably. And we did a couple versions of that upbeat. <laughs> it wasn't really working out. And then, you know, Roberto's like, oh, I mean, it needs, maybe it needs to be darker. So we did, I don't know if you remember this, Ryan, but we did like a German house version of it. <laughs> yes. I vaguely remember going down that road and how quickly we were uh, shut off from it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was as bad as you could imagine. And so we had like kind of a last minute Hail Mary call where we needed to, I mean, Ashley would have had to record that night or something like that in order for us wow. to be able to film on time. And Roberto, we were just kind of talking through different different ideas and he said well maybe if it doesn't speed up maybe it can be like a james bond theme song and that was a light bulb for us because we're like oh, okay cool you know and then we're like well i guess if we change it from four four to something like three four like getting into that oh yeah oh man that just took me back to the moment and then uh 
you know, Ryan's a big James Bond fan. So he just had a blast orchestrating all those strings. And we had something done in, I don't know, like an hour or two. Um, and then that, that little spark of inspiration moment ended up going in and, and being the final, final version. You were touching on this earlier, but I have to imagine doing this long form, doing this over five seasons now, getting to know the actors, getting to know what is possible in their vocal range has to help a little bit for that speed, right? Yeah, absolutely. When we're recording the cast, a lot of times, and we have such a tremendous cast vocally on this show. Yeah. You know, Ryan and I have worked, Ryan worked on uh, Glee in the first couple seasons. And, you know, I, I worked, I've been doing this now for 20 or 30 shows too. So oftentimes the cast you get will have nobody who sings and you have to make that work. Uh, but for Riverdale, we got incredibly lucky because a lot of our, none of our cast was hired. For, I don't think any of them auditioned with singing. Um, and then just in the main cast with, you know, Lily and Cammy and Ashley and KJ having a lot of background on guitar, you had people who could really give you performances at an incredibly high level. So I think once that was established and figured it out, figured out then it, it became a more prominent thing of, oh, great, we want to really, you know, do this, do this a lot. But as far as knowing their range, it, it does matter and it doesn't because sometimes you'll get a song and it's like, hey, this is a big, big belter song from Celine Dion or whoever. Wow. And you'll have to be like, uh, okay, this a person who's never sang Celine Dion before. Figure <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it out in a hurry because we're taping it soon. Exactly. And sometimes, bless the cast, they'll come in and they'll, they'll just have heard the song for the first time that day. Yeah. So, uh, so I think it's a testament to them and how versatile they are and how much they, they give to it that we can pull off some of these things that seem like miracles when they work. Are you able to, this is the other end of the process. I mean, we've kind of talked up through laying down the tracks with the actors themselves. Once they get on set, are you ever able to go on set and make some tweaks or rearrangements there? Or like your job is done by that point? Right, maybe tell them our uh, our our, uh, our situation as far as where we record and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in Nashville. Leonard's in Los Angeles. All the vocals are um, recorded in Vancouver. Wow! Oh, wow! <laughs> so Leonard International. Yeah, Le- Leonard skypes in and produces the vocal sessions, and and I'll I mainly focus on the the track end of things. But occasionally, if there's like during the musical episodes, I'll jump in and produce some vocals as well because there's just so much vocally happening. After we get the vocals recorded and laid into the track, I immediately send a version to, and it gets approved, I immediately send a version to set. Now, sometimes I hear nothing, and then other times <laughs> about 300 panicked emails of, this doesn't work, move verse one to verse two, we've changed the script, you name it, there's been you know all kinds of requests made. And then on top of that, you're having to mix stuff for, like, that's a little not what I would normally do because it's being blasted out of a PA on a set. And so you have to have vocals screaming loud. You have to have kick drum scream or anything percussive that gives actors the beat on where they're supposed to land. So if you listen to it in my studio, it sounds like I don't have ears when I say, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, what is this? But it's when it all, it all translates when they're, when they're filming to it. And then once I send stems to the mix stage at a much later date, it sounds much better. That's what you're hearing. Yeah, we, we never go typically on set, but, you know, we're sort of there virtually no matter what. It's funny. It sounds like you guys were better set up to work during the pandemic than a lot of other people involved <laughs> yeah. in production. <laughs> yeah, and television's really changed that way. I mean, um, I live in an area 
called Toluca Lake in Los Angeles, which is right by Universal Studios, Warner, Warner Brothers, all those places. And it was really uh, convenient because, you know, they could be on the lot and then just jump over for vocals if it was uh, uh, an actor. But so many things now film in Vancouver, Atlanta, Katie Keene, we were in New York. Um, and so, we, yeah, I just love Katie uh, Keene. But we, us uh, too. Yeah. We had to find a way to, you know, have kind of strategic partners. So in Vancouver, we have a wonderful studio uh, called Warehouse. It's just second nature for us to communicate and we'll be able to Skype in and do that stuff. But I just want to take a moment. The music on uh, Katie Keene, all the, the the stuff was so great. So uh, thank you for that. I'm so, sad the show didn't last longer, but that was really magical. Yeah, it, Ryan and I have said often that it was um, just one of those things that was such a special season. We did 33 songs wow. and oh, we gosh. got to do um, Kiss of the Spider Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That whole was one of like the most satisfying doing all that Latin jazz musical was one of the most satisfying to play and incredibly difficult, but um, you making know, those we, tracks. I remember like looking at the score music and just being like, seriously, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I'm, it makes me so stressed for your job. Oh my gosh. Well, and that show, that show felt like it was just like everyone's trying to make it like the energy of that must've been so really infused uh, a lot of your work. Uh, Just so sweet. Yeah. You know, we're um, on all, on all our, I think it kind of comes from the top at all of Roberto's shows because he's such a great person to work for. It all kind of comes down from the top and, and our casts on Sabrina and Katie Keenan Riverdale are all just tremendously wonderful people who are great to work with and, and up for, for trying things that were are, are out of their comfort level a lot of times. But yeah, Katie Keene was a bummer. I think that was, you know, we were doing four shows simultaneously right before the pandemic. <laughs> uh, and there will be more to come. <laughs> but right before that, January, February 2020, uh, by the end of it, Ryan and I looked like Dr. Frankenstein after like you know, the lightning bolt that hit the monster and just, you know, we were we were we were wild eyed and crazy at that point. So maybe it was good to to do a, a little less. Yeah, to chill out a little <laughs> bit in the pandemic. Um, talking about the musical episodes, that's got to be like uh, that's the Super Bowl for you guys each season. Like, how does how does that process work? When do you know when do you start work and and how does it go? Yeah. You know, the musicals are just an entirely different beast. And the first musical was really special to us because we hadn't done something like that. That wasn't what we had done before in TV. So the fact that Roberto trusted us to get this going and done, I mean, creating 30 minutes of music in two weeks is a Herculean task. So on Carrie, we had to take something that was a a bomb in uh, the eighties. In fact, the, the book on Broadway bombs is called not since Carrie. I don't know if you guys know (laughs) the famous book on Broadway bombs. And I think Roberto thought that was, you know, because he had written the Carrie movie and he liked the original musical. He thought that was sort of a a fun tongue in cheek thing to do, but we had to take something that really existed in that time period. I mean, there's tons of really heavy shreddy Eddie Van Halen type guitars, which doesn't work for our sound palette of Riverdale at all. Ryan and I were just like, well, what if we, you know, leaned into the noir and we took all that guitar and changed it to harp and to cello. Um, and so we started that. And, and that first song in is still really special to us, kind of bringing us, bringing you into the musical world of that. But I think everyone was, when we first were doing the musical, was very uh, anxious whether or not it would work. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of like, a lot of people with one foot out of the vocal booth, like, oh, God, please don't let <laughs> yeah, this be. See you later. But, <laughs> what are we doing? Um, when it turned out as well as it did after that, I think it was a collective breath. And since then, 
the musical episodes have just been, you know, a blast. Everyone gets so, so. Well, but I have to imagine also that each one brings their own challenge. I mean, if you're dealing with Carrie, that's one thing, but then moving into the most recent one, Hedwig, that's yeah. a huge amount of music. That's a, almost the opposite of Carrie. That is a beloved off-Broadway show. Were you concerned about tackling that at all? Leonard and I came up playing in bands together. So when it was like Hedwig, it was like, huh. we can do this all day. Like <laughs> drums, bass, guitars, lead vocal, like all day. Carrie was actually scarier in some ways because that was kind of uncharted territory for us. You know what I mean? Where it was like, wow, uh, okay. And then on top of it, taking, like Leonard said, a lot of those elements and making it, putting it more in the Riverdale universe, it was like doubly hard kind of trying to put that puzzle together. So like you said, they each have their own challenges. I think with Edwig, actually, the challenge was a lot. Of, it was the timing. We actually we had a lot less time than Carrie hmm. to do that. And so it was like I, I cut drums for was it 14 songs in one day? Like, I got to the studio early. And then as soon as I finished those drums, I send a pile of drums over to Leonard for him to start playing bass and guitars on. And then it's just off to the races and it's crazy. That was our briar patch though, because, you know, songs like Exquisite Corpse were pretty much what our band used to sound like. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> for us, that was no problem. But one, one kind of secret weapon we had on Hedwig was uh, Stephen Trask, the composer of Hedwig, was a big Riverdale fan. Oh, wow. And, That's awesome. and gave us a blessing. He, he actually came to the show. And, you know, our second musical when we did Heather's, we, we had a couple other musicals that we wanted to do that didn't approve. Mm, uh. So having somebody like, you know, Steven with a, a musical like Hedwig coming and saying, I love the show. I love what you've done in the music. Would you consider doing my musical? And then finding a way to make it work was really beneficial. And he was a great, you know, mentor for us as we were working through things. And, you know, it, it's tough. A lot of the Broadway records, I think you could attest to this too, Ryan. There's incredibly rehearsed they look great on stage and then when they make the cast album they go in there for 30 minutes and just play all the songs live once <laughs> and you're like it's a totally different vibe than what we do in Riverdale which is more of like a pop thing where we're you know we go and we layer things we might add extra strings but Hedwig that album was you know just tremendously produced from the beginning so our, our goal wasn't to make it sound better we could make it a little louder that was our goal <laughs> <laughs> did you feel a lot of pressure on origin of love writing a song for the um the future couple main couple of riverdale <laughs> uh, betty and archie obviously how dare you how dare you <laughs> wow we're gonna we're getting into uh we're getting to some real um conflicts here um you know that one was cool too uh cole was a big hedwig fan mm -hmm. So he, uh, in he, Origin of Love was right in his wheelhouse. It's something he said he had done at karaoke as well. But really, you know, when you're working with a song that's so dynamic and it's like five and a half minutes long, it, it's tough to make sure you get all the parts right. And learning, I mean, a lot of these songs, we have to learn them quickly that day and figure out how to play them competently enough. So that, that, that's where it gets to be a little hairy for sure. I think just to interpret, because I was going to ask this, if you didn't ask it, Justin, about... Come on. Talk yeah. to me, but yes. Is outside of the show with the fans, shipping plays a huge part of stuff. They're like super into the relationships. Not us, of course. We're very cool about it, no, as you can tell from this <laughs> exchange. Neutral. But does that does that impact your process at all? Like with something like Origin Show of Love, you, well, or yeah, the like the Shoney duets in Heather's, is that something that enters into the equation of like, ooh, this is going to mean a lot of something, a lot for the show? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not just the relationships. A lot of times, the main thing when I get in with the cast is we'll talk about what the character's doing that in, in that moment. 
because that affects the way you're going to be performing something, the way you're going to be singing something. As far as the relationships and stuff go, the way you play a song, a duet back and forth, and it's incredibly important. On Carrie, for example, the songs we did with Machen, you know, Machen's a person who has never been in a vocal studio before ever, but is such a tremendous actress that, you know, the, the idea was like, let's really communicate the song. Uh, and I think she was able to do that really successfully. Yeah. So that's a big thing we always discuss is, you know, how to make something, you know, work for the scene first and foremost, and then work as a song sort of secondary. <laughs> I was going to say, I think something that's like technically correct, it's kind of boring. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> like getting a, a solid emotional performance does does the work for us. You know what I mean? In, in a lot of ways where then that can help lead the song to its its greatest place where it lands. Well, I think that really ties into my absolute favorite number, the one that I've listened to probably more than any other, is maybe this time Camilla Mendes singing it. And part of that, I think, is the editing of the scene where she's singing it in Le Bon Nuit while Archie's dying from a bear wound. And they have that last shot of her hitting that <laughs> note, that final note, as he dies at the end of the episode. What was it like putting that one together? Was that something that felt particularly impactful or Did a lot of research research on bear attacks to really make sure you had the emotional <laughs> yeah. you know i'll be honest i don't think we do anything about the bear uh, attack. Yeah. Uh, in that situation right i don't know if you remember this but we we wanted to take the cabaret version and make it more contemporary so you worked on building that cool electro pop track do you remember that at all vaguely ones <laughs> <laughs> i remember it was like light your hair on fire. This has to be done by tonight. Like it was very, because uh, the call with Roberto kept getting pushed back. I remember mm-hmm. like direction, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And then it was just like ready, fire, aim. Like, like, let's just go. Yeah. And I think he said a torch song on that one. We sort of leaned on that was just a little more of a contemporary production, but it would have been good if I'm glad we didn't know about the bear <laughs> attack because God knows what, what it, we would have added. <laughs> just like a bunch of growling in the background. Something like that. I'm just <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You never in know. those high pressure moments. Like what, what do you do to sort of trigger the inspiration? Uh, if it's, you're like, oh, we need this now. I just finished dinner. What are we doing? <laughs> the biggest thing jumping right into it is there are no wrong answers right at the right at the beginning. Just go because it's a lot easier to edit something than it is to keep stopping yourself and trying to start a right. scratch. Also, I think a, a testament to to now how the language Leonard and I speak and how quickly we can go. He's like, I'm thinking of this guitar thing. And he'll just send me a voice note or a voice memo. Like, what if we do this vibe? And I'm like, great. And then we just start going. And even if all that does is after 15 minutes, we both go, nope. Like, like <laughs> at least gets us started. But the high pressure moments is basically just to always just start, get, get notes in, in the computer playing back out at you. So you can start kind of, figuring out what to do. Yeah, selfishly, I wish that for our own personal projects, we had these deadlines because there's nothing more inspiring than, holy shit, that is the, <laughs> that's the best inspiration you can have to get something done quickly. If it's your own thing, I mean, you know, you can you can lament and take time, but it, it's great to, uh, to have, have those uh, deadlines for sure. Now, you were mentioning before we got on that one of the more difficult numbers to tackle was daddy lessons. Why was that in particular? Yeah, you know, we're, we're really conscious too of, uh, as is the cast, sometimes we'll get these really big iconic artists like Beyonce. Okay, do a Beyonce song she released two years ago. No, <laughs> no, 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 no problem. Oh my God, what a, what a bar. 
Um, so yeah, like on daddy lessons, we were told to kind of keep the same intent and feel, but we wanted to make it a little bit more raucous. So we, we decided to do kind of a spaghetti Western vibe to that. And Ryan, Ryan, you got to do your, your, put your amazing uh, whistle on. Uh, I did. I, I did get to do my own whistle track on that. Yeah. My magnum opus moment. And that was fun too, just because it was like getting started on that is daunting. Like Leonard was saying, and you're like, okay, how do we take something that's so ingrained in like, you know, pop culture and importance and everyone knows the song and make it and not ruin it. <laughs> and, huh. you know, and you just kind of start. So it was like spaghetti Western. Okay. Baritone guitar. All right. What if we do you know, whistle, whistle stuff like that? Like, hey, you know, and then kind of see what comes out. Yeah. There, there are actually versions of these songs because myself and my wife Laura who helps with a lot of the vocal orchestrations oh, cool. you know, we'll have songs sometimes where we'll have to do you know it'll be a song that is a solo vocal like in a wicked little town that's a, a solo vocal that we had to have 15 cast members on wow so when you're all of a sudden orchestrating one voice for 15 we had to do a lot of guide vocals when the cast came in they kind of knew what part in the harmony to sing so there's versions of these songs out there with Ryan Laura and I singing that sound insane <laughs> like 30 of us singing these yeah. songs oh, wow. so one of the big things that happened this season was the time jump the show went seven years forward did that right. affect at all how you tackled the musical numbers for the actors since they were technically playing more mature characters or were you still just writing stuff for kj appa vanessa morgan etc the one original song that we've contributed to Riverdale was Carry the Torch, which was a song that we had written actually for, for mine and Laura's band. And it was just a demo we had. Roberto came up with the idea that Archie would write this song. And we usually what they would do is go out to, you know, publishing companies, get a, a lot of options of songs, which is what we'd done before. Um, and then I just said, well, I think this one kind of fits. Check it out. And Roberto, Roberto liked it. What we had to do was that was the song we were literally shooting when the show shut down for the pandemic. Uh, so we were going to do version one for that. And after, so we actually had to, the, the more, the physical jump between when the pandemic started and we came back was to me, I think a lot of bigger of a mental challenge than the time jump because once we came back, the time jump sort of made sense. We had been gone. For right. You lived it. But we actually had to do a, the first version of that song, you know, almost a year before we did the second, mm -hmm. even though they came in sequential episodes. That that was a bit of a trip. But, you know, I think the cast was ready to to play their own age. I think that they felt a little more, I, I, I just gather, they all felt relaxed into this older character. I think that that helps, you know, down the line from doing songs and, and performing in general. Now, I know you can't talk about this and I'm not plugging for spoilers or anything, but <laughs> coming up in these final nine episodes... You have not one, but two musical episodes that are happening. You got episode 15, Return of the Pokey Sea Cats. Episode 18 is the actual musical episode. Are you guys still alive? <laughs> <laughs> it was tough. What do you say? From, from March to June, we worked on average 14 to 18 hour days. Oh, and yeah. what compounded it, and rightfully so, but was all the COVID protocol stuff and having to... Yeah wait for actors to quarantine for 10 days and then they can only record so much. And then we had to go and on another day, get the rest of the song. Well, are they still in Vancouver? No, they're somewhere else now. You know, like it just sounds different now. They're in a different soundscape. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and we were able to, to, to tackle that part. No problem. It was more of just, you know, finding the time. And, and it, that part became, incredibly difficult because you'd be working on these songs 
for six weeks that would normally you'd get done in two days. Without giving anything away about the the stuff that's coming up, I wouldn't say necessarily we have two musical episodes, but one one musical episode for sure and one very music happy one. I would say, Ryan, I don't know if you agree. This is I think the best the cast has ever sounded. I think this Ooh, is the best. Hundred percent. I think I think they they all got it and went above and beyond. I mean, maybe you can talk, uh, maybe I'm pushing too much, but we know the Pussycats <laughs> are coming back for the return of the Pussycats sure. episode. Was it fun to write for them again? So, yeah, the Pussycats, we didn't write anything for them. But, you know, Ashley Murray, we have just such a special relationship with. We, you know, we did a ton of songs with her earlier on. Then we worked with her on Katie Keen. Keen. Yeah. She's just a wonderful person. And, Aww. you know, she had never, before Riverdale, she'd never even been in a, recording studio this was her first real singing thing and once she got her feet under her she the stuff she brings the different harmonies she hears and the the melodies are incredible so getting a chance to work with her again is always like it's a joy for us so um and then being able to bring back asha and Haley, who we we adored from season one and getting to work with them now three years down the road was a really special experience. And I want, I think the fans will like as well too. You were saying you've, you've done a hundred songs for Riverdale. Might be more. Yeah. After these next two episodes, we might be in, in the one ten range, wow. which is, it feels, you know, 10 songs is an album. <laughs> so it feels like we've done, you know, 10 albums in, in four plus years. Very normal. Which, a lot of bands do that. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any uh, what favorites that we haven't talked about? Anyone's, any other songs you want to highlight? It's like, that's the one for me that really resonates. There are, there's so many of them, yeah. right? I, I'll, I'll mention a few, right? But you tell me a few of the ones. But, you know, 17 was one oh. that was both the, that version and the reprise were both really special. The version with Cole and Lily singing the chorus, yeah. that one when that locked in and they're both belting, it was one of those moments you have where you kind of get goosebumps in the studio and like, oh my God, this is really going to work. Oh, wow. We're so blessed to get to work on this show, but to also, you know, work on any show, but to have moments of, of, of some, you know, show that you particularly love watching that you know is going to really resonate with the fans is, is really special. And, and then when we did the reprise version, we we got really artsy and we had, we had everyone record in this huge live room to, you know, uh, mimic what we were doing with the space that they were going to be shooting in. Um, and that was wild. Poor Ryan uh, had to, you know, edit between all those vocals to make them sound, you know, exactly right. But that came out great as well, too. So th- those are two for me that really mean a lot. What about you, Ryan? Well, like we already talked about, the Hedwig ep- or the Hedwig musical in general was just super fun because it just felt like I the governor got taken off, and I was like, cool, this is my <laughs> my wheelhouse. Like this is what I get to do. A couple songs that that came out great. One that was super minimal but came across amazing was mad world and it was just it was just a piano and like a bossa nova 808 kind of like corny drum beat but like when you put it together and saw this it was like this is really vibey you know (laughs) that that was yeah that was the first time i had ever heard lily sing and i remember texting you holy shit dude (laughs) like she can really 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 sing i was like okay and and then i got the vocal and it was like Oh, I think that was probably the quickest track we ever finished because they said, oh, it's just like, it's just like a karaoke scene. So we're like, oh, cool. You must, Ryan, you must knock that one out in like 30 yeah, minutes or something. That song and, like, you know, cover bands before. I was like, yeah, I don't even need the got it. Milkshake was another one that. Oh, yeah. Super fun and came off great. And that was credit to you and you and Laura Leonard. That was, you, you were like, what if we do this cool, like, cordettes, lollipop-esque version of this, like, banging pop song but let's also keep like a lot of that like urban r&b percussive element stuff in it 
and lay one on top. And at first I was doing it, I was like, this is obtuse. <laughs> <laughs> you have this like enormous modern sounding woof kick. And then like all the, you know, these cool kind of vocal harmony things. And then we sort of like a, like a soup that comes together at the end. It was like, (laughs) Oh damn, this is perfect. Like it really, it all worked. And it was fun that lollipop became a big song for the show too. In season three with the, with the black hood and stuff. I think lifeboat is one that was worth mentioning. That one was um, one of my favorite performances. I haven't spoken a lot about Cammy, but she's just another world-class singer that song was really special because she had done it before she did one pass of it, which was really pretty. And, and we were like, Roberto thought maybe we can just ratchet the emotion more. And so she came through and sang that in one take oh, and it wow. was like, Oh wow. Okay, cool. Just print it, send it out. That was really special. And we also loved doing the, uh, the upbeat, like um, cherry bomb stuff. Oh with yeah. Okay. The cherry bomb was so much fun. So that good. was one of the songs that we recorded in LA. She came over to my studio over here. She's so great at seeing that rock stuff. We just had a blast doing that one. So we feel really fortunate that we, we get good creative, we get to do fun things, and we get to work with a cast that we just adore. That's awesome. If people want to check out your stuff, all of it's on Spotify, right? But is there anything else you want to plug or push people towards? The Riverdale cast stuff on Spotify and Apple Music. Sometimes the mixes that make television are a bit different than what we put out on Spotify and Apple Music because oftentimes the network wants the vocal really loud. And sometimes the vocal to us is like, whoa, it's really, it's really up there and naked. <laughs> we're really proud of the final mixes. We're doing other creative projects, we're working on other di- different shows and working on an original music our- ourselves, but that's all preliminary. But, you know, we'll, we'll come back when we have more to plug, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. Love the music. Excited to see whatever I happens over the course of the rest yeah. of the season. And for those of you listening out there, if you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, at Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.